welcome, welcome to the good old days of radio show. This is John Tefteller, your host. It is Thursday, which means it's time to, if you wish, to protect them, if you wish, to send the little ones out of the room because it's scary time. And tonight's show is in the category of all-out horror. No subtlety here. Arch Obler, who wrote Lights Out, originally with Willis Cooper and then by himself, was the master of creating scary sound effects and not afraid to have people scream and bludgeoned and all kinds of crazy stuff. Arch Obler was a very strange little man. He was a short guy with little round glasses and kind of a balding head, and he had a very strange and wicked sense of humor. I was fortunate to call him a friend. One day, I handed him a book I had of his plays, and several books were published back in the 30s and 40s of his plays, and I handed him the book, and I said, would you please inscribe this for me? He took his pen, inscribed it, handed it back to me, and I looked at it, and it said, to John Tefteller, may he forgive me for the pixie which suddenly danced within my soul. That's Arch Obler. <laughs> very, very unusual guy. Lights Out was probably the most famous horror show ever done. It was not on radio for a long time, uh, for all kinds of reasons, but it, it, it definitely pushed the boundaries of what could be considered acceptable on radio. He did have a bit of problem with the sensors over a couple things because some of the sound effects were like really gruesome on some of the shows. Um, I don't remember all the exact details, but I know there were some issues there and uh, some things happened. But in any case, uh, Mr. Obler pushed the boundaries about as far as he could push them. This particular show is one of my favorites, and they vary. Some lights out shows are better than others, but this is one of my one of the ones I think is like really, really well written. It's called The Story of Mr. Mags. It's from December of 1942. The sponsor was Ironize Yeast, which not quite sure why you would want to take ironized yeast, but uh, I think you can actually still buy it if you really are interested in taking ironized yeast after listening to this program. And it was done over CBS radio. So turn out your lights. Follow Mr. Obler's instructions. Turn out those lights. If you have someone else with you, snuggle up close and let your imagination run wild. Ironized yeast presents light. Out, everybody. It is later than you think. Lights Out brings you stories of the supernatural and the supernormal, dramatizing the fantasies and the mysteries of the unknown. We tell you this frankly, so if you wish to avoid the excitement and tension of these imaginative plays, we urge you calmly but sincerely to turn off your radio now. My name, Arch Obler. Tonight, another in our series of tales of the weird and the unusual. The idea for today's play, the story of Mr. Maggs, came to me a few years ago when I was in England, pre-war England. 
calm, peaceful, serene, no enemy bombers overhead, no screaming sirens, and England happily without worry. But before we start, Frank Martin has a word for you. Friends, these critical times are making terrific extra demands on all of us. But if you've gotten miserably thin and tired and run down, don't necessarily blame the war or your job. It's quite possible you simply need more vitamin B and iron than you're getting from your food. Well, if you do need more of these vital substances, get them a quick, easy way. Take ironized yeast tablets. They help two ways in cases of such deficiencies. Help two ways to build you up. Help two ways to increase weight and strength. Help two ways to step up pep and energy. Remember that name, ironized yeast tablets. And now, lights out, everybody. All right, gentlemen, all right, gentlemen. Now, here's an opportunity you can't afford to miss. As the Americans say, an opportunity of a lifetime. In auctioning off these effects of various deceased members of the community, I assure you that no single piece has more pretentious value than this genuine oaken traveling truck. As you see, gentlemen, it's bound in brass and locked tight and secure with a massive, genuine brass lock. What's in it? Nobody knows. But the law says that being unclaimed, strange merchandise, whoever buys it gets it all, as you might say, with all that's in it, be it gold or silver plate or the jewels of India. Now, what am I offered for this chest? Make your bids and make them good, gentlemen. Do I hear someone say ten pounds? Five shillings. Now, gentlemen, look at it. Locked tight. And nobody knows what's inside. A fortune waiting here. And somebody talks of five shillings. Now, come, let's on with it. What am I offered? Five and six. Oh, gentlemen, for firewood alone. I offer six. Six. Six and six. Seven. Well, gentlemen, it appears we're having a competition in little numbers. Is there anybody here who would like to raise a bid in April? Seven and Eight. Gentlemen, I ask you, ain't there anybody here who heard what I said about this chest being locked and sealed? Oh, let it go. It's the last thing I've got to auction. So let it go. We'll all go home. Going to the little gentleman right down here for eight children even. Do you hear any more? So, step right up here, sir, and claim your purchase. Now, what might your name be for the record? Name? My name is Mags. <clears throat> yes, Harold Mags. And the money, Mr. Mags? Oh, yes, sir. My pocketbook got it already. Eight shillings, sir. Here you are. Right, you are. You understand, of course, the cartridge is extra. Oh? Oh, is it? Right, you are. Now, where will I send the chest? I don't know. I mean, extra charges. Where will I send it? Uh, 92 Applegate, Southwest 3. You're right, you are. Is is that all? That's all. The chest is yours. You'll get it in the morning. In the morning? But I'll be at work in the morning. Your old woman will be home, won't she? Oh, yes, but she doesn't in know anything In the morning, about... they'll deliver it, and in the morning, you'll get it. Good night to you. Oh, good night, and thank you. Thank you. Thank you to me, huh? If you knew what I know of that trunk, you wouldn't be thanking me. You'd curse me to the devil.
Yes, Agatha? Well, I must say, it's a fine time for a man to be getting home. Well, Mr. Bainbridge asked me to stay and check the inventory. Never mind what Mr. Bainbridge said. Did you get anything extra for doing what Mr. Bainbridge said? Well, I... I Never uh... mind what he said. I tell you what you get from me. A cold supper, that's what. Oh, it's all right, Agatha. Oh, is it? Now, just a minute, Mr. Harold Maggs. There's something else I want to talk to you about. Yes, Agatha? How much money have you been making on the races? Races? Me? You. Oh, no, you know I never play the horses. And how much money did that rich uncle of yours in Australia leave you? Australia? Me? Why, Agatha, what are you talking about? I haven't got any uncles in Australia. Oh, then maybe it's a gold mine you discovered. Or maybe a well that gives a hundred gallon of petrol a minute. Agatha, are you all right? A chest. Oh. Why did you buy it? Well, they I... They didn't give it to you, did they? It was only eight shillings and I... Only eight shillings? You mean to stand there and tell me you spent eight whole God-given shillings for that thing? Uh, yes. Harold Meggs, I ought to... Agatha, what's that? Never you mind what that is. Up in the garret. Yes, yes, up in the garret, where that great prize of yours is. Up in the garret where you should be until your head's examined. But, Agatha, what... In... It's Freddy, breaking the thing open to see what's inside. Breaking it open? Yes, and I told him to do it. Freddy, have you opened it yet? Yes, Mom. Oh, Agatha, please, I don't want him to... No, keep quiet. I know you haven't got a key to it. But Raymond told me all about this prize package that did. Oh, but... Plunked it right down in the middle of the kitchen floor. And poor Freddy and I had to carry it all the way upstairs. Oh, but Agatha... Oh, we'll find out what's in it soon enough. Oh, no, please, he shouldn't break the lock. It's a good one. Maybe I could pick it. I'll go up there. No, no, Harold, come back here. Let Freddy do what I told him to. Harold! Harold, come back here this minute. Harold, you regret this, making me climb these stairs. Harold, do you hear me? Ma'am, ma'am, make him stop. Harold, Harold, what come over you? He huh? won't smash my chest, he won't. Uh, well, Mum said I could, she did, she did, she oh, said I could. Oh, dare you strike that boy. Oh, I didn't. Well, you thought about it. He may not be your flesh and blood, Harold Meggs, but he's mine. Ah. He's a big lout, 30 years uh, old. Mum, he called me I a big lout again. quite enough, Harold Meggs. Give me that hammer. Yes, Agatha. I'll fix your precious chest, your precious lock. <laughs> That's oh, right, oh, Mum. Show him. Show him. Oh, a good one, Mum. You smashed it. Oh, it was a good padlock. <laughs> you keep quiet. <laughs> Buy a cat in the poke, will you? Teach him, Mum. Well, now we'll see your grand bargain. Help me lift the lid, Freddy. <laughs> sure thing, oh. Mum. We'll see what you wasted oh, yeah. my good money on. Mum. Why? Why, it's empty. Empty? Harold Mag, you wretch, you. Taking the bread out of the mouths of your good wife and your son to buy empty trunks. I Wait, to... Agatha. Wait for what? For what? It's not empty. What are you talking about? See? The whole inside crusted with dried blood. Open your eyes. Oh, oh, oh. Wake up, Freddy. Oh, it's not morning. No, of course not. Open your eyes. Oh, oh, oh. I heard something. Well, what did you hear? 
Can't you hear anymore? I said there's someone in the house. What? What do you mean? Listen. I don't hear anything. Don't talk. Listen. Ah! <gasps> you heard? Yes. Up in the garret. Oh. Get up and do something. Well, what could I do? Well, you're do? not going to let them steal the house away from us. There. Again. But why in the garret? Are you going to lie there talking while oh, they... But we've nothing there for anyone to take no! there. Freddy. Freddy, what? Come on. No, no, not up there. Well, I'm going. Harold, come back and don't leave me alone to be murdered. Harold, don't go up there. Harold, I'm frightened. Agatha, Agatha, come up here quickly. No, no, I'm afraid. Agatha, quickly. All right, all right. I'm more afraid down here than I'll be up there. Can't be much to be afraid of. If you're not afraid, Harold, so dark up here. Well, Harold, what is it? Agatha, come here, help me. Well, what is it? What's the matter with you? What? It's your Freddy. Freddy? Freddy! The lid of the chest seems to be closed on his head. And I can't seem to open it. Ladies and gentlemen, I think you'll agree when an old chest becomes a thing of horrible death and when there is more of death in the air, then's the time to leave tonight's lights out for a deep breath and a turning of our thoughts to something that perhaps is your problem. Now, back to Lights Out and our story of Mr. Maggs. The son of the house lies dead, crushed by the object Mr. Maggs had bought at the auction. An old chest. Nothing we can do for you. I, I knew you loved the boy. Guess he's the only thing you ever loved in all your life. Oh, do something, do something, you worm you. What is there to do? Storm so bad, just have to wait until morning. That's all. If you hadn't bought that infernal chest. If I hadn't bought it. Murdered him, you did. You hated him for the memory of my first husband. No, I wouldn't say that, Agatha. Why not? You bought the chest, so it's your doing. Well, in a way, you're right. I brought the evil into the house now, didn't I? What are you talking about? An unhappy house, and now there's evil in it. What are you saying? Since we came downstairs, all these hours since it happened, I've been thinking... Thinking what? How do you think Freddy died? And why? You're crazy? Asking me if I know how he died? I saw it, didn't I? But I asked you, why did he die? Why? Why? Because the infernal lid of it fell on his head, that's why. Oh, my Freddy. Yes. <laughs> the evil did it. Evil, evil. You are crazy. The only thing evil was your buying it. You just don't understand, do you, Agatha? What are you looking at me like that for? I tell you, the lid fell down on his head. Evil. Evil, evil, evil. 
Stop trying to make me as crazy as you are. Come on back up there and help me carry my son down so I can stretch him out decent and respectful for when the undertaker comes. No, Agatha. What? I've made up my mind. I won't go up there again. Oh, yes, you will. He'll lie dead in a bed, my son. Not up there. No, Agatha, I've made up my mind. I figured out that up in the garret, the evil has taken... Evil be blasted. My son, you'll help me carry him down. Don't stand there. Don't stand there. Storm's over. Help me carry down his body so I can lay it out decent. No, Agatha. No, hear me out. It's evil. I'll have you locked away, I tell you. Evil, and I knew somehow that it was there. That's no. why I dragged you downstairs again so quickly. Oh. You never thought much of me, Aggie, but this no. time, believe me, if I go up there with you, it means my life. I've listened to enough. A split-headed little worm, that's what you are. There's nothing up there but that blasted chest you bought and Freddy's body. And if you won't help me bring him down, then, Kershaw, I'll bring him down myself. No, Agatha, come back. Aggie, come back. Agatha, I beg you. Aggie! Aggie, you shouldn't have. This once in all these years, you should have listened to me. If you'd have listened this time, I would have meant something more than... (gasps) Agatha? Agatha, what's doing up there? Are you all right? Agatha, do you hear me? You all right? What in the... Agatha, what? Agatha, what? What happened? What's the matter? Oh, Agatha, heaven help me. I can't come up to you. I'm afraid. Agatha, that's another hour. It's hard waiting, Agatha. I've got to keep so quiet. I've got to listen. Perhaps you'll say something. Call me again. I've got to know what happened. Man can go crazy not knowing what happened. I'll keep very quiet. Perhaps I'll hear you saying something up there. Agatha? Wind. I hear nothing but the wind, Agatha. I'm afraid to move out of this chair, Agatha. As afraid as I've ever been in all my life. And that's been many times, Agatha. Something safe about this chair... It's my chair. I've sat in it so many times it knows me. And while I'm in it, nothing can happen to me. Now, can it? But if I were to get up, leave it, walk toward the door... No, I won't do that. I'll sit here and wait in the chair. And when it's daylight again... (gasps) Agatha, is that you? I, I heard you again. Agatha? Agatha? Agatha, why don't you answer me? I hear you moving around. Why don't you answer me? Agatha! Agatha, isn't it you? Sounds as if 
As if a heavy chest were being moved. Moved along to the head of the stairs. No. Nothing more. So quiet. <gasps> Coming down the steps. <sighs> Coming down. Agatha, is that you? You're bringing the chest down? Agatha, is it you? No, no, it couldn't be you, could it, Agatha? And who is bringing it down? Who is it? Answer me. Answer me! <laughs> Got to get out of here. Run. But I can't. I can't. I'm too afraid. Who, who is it? Agatha, it is you, isn't it? It, it must be you. It must be. Uh, not many more steps than I'll see. No, no, I won't look. I won't. Stop you, whoever you are. Don't bring that chest down here. Stop. Stop! Stop. No further. Stopped. I won't have to see. I won't have to see. <gasps> Again. Oh, no. So close, bottom of the stairs. I'll see. I'll see. I'll see. What? Oh, if I could close my eyes. Only one more step. I know it. I know it. Just the chest, no one with it. How can that be? No one. How could a trunk come down the stairs, one at a time, alone? Moved, moved under my hand. 
thing of evil. I'll get you. You won't get me. I'll get you. My axe. Where's my axe? Closet. Was in here. Yes. Got to find my axe. Won't get me, you blasted chest, you. Got it. You hear me, you evil? Axe in my hand. I'm coming for you. You came after me, but I'll get you. I see you there at the foot of the steps, you chest, you. Lying there so quiet, aren't you? Think I'll open you and then you'll get me too? Well, you won't. You won't. I'm coming for you. See? I'm creeping close to you. Slowly. Slowly. The way you crept down the stairs for me. How do you like it, you evil, waiting for your doom? I'll get close to you. I'll swing my axe and then your evil will be over, won't it? You'll be wood, wood and twisted bands of brass, and then I won't have to be afraid anymore, now will I? Now! I'm close enough. You're doomed, Chest. I'm your doom. Here! There. I did it. I did it, you evil Chest. You cracked you wide open. I'll pull the rest of you wide apart, and then... Ah! Agatha! You were in it! My axe, it's in your skull! Harry? Oh, Harry. Yes, Mr. Jamison? Harry, uh, that chest you delivered over Applegate Way, where's the signed receipt for it? Oh, yeah, it is uh, lying right here. Ah, uh, yes. Received one chest. <laughs> <laughs> what are you laughing at, Mr. Jamison? Oh, just thinking. Thinking of what, might I ask you, sir? Thinking and wondering if they found out. What's that, sir? That the chest was the one in which that murderer, the young last Wednesday, used to stuff his murdered victims. Cool. I wonder if that little man that bought it... What was his name? Uh, Mags. Found out about his... Bargain yet. Phew. Now, just a second, Mr. Obler. You mean to say that this old chest killed those people? I, uh, I didn't say. The supernatural, the supernormal, and coincidence. Who can separate the three? I'd like to tell you something that actually happened to me, though, a few years ago. Very strange happening. But I'll tell you more about that in just a moment. And now, Mr. Obler, you were about to tell us. Well, I was going to tell you about that very thin line between coincidence and the supernormal. A number of years ago, back in Chicago, late at night, I sat down on my typewriter to try to write a short story. I sat and sat and sat there, but no ideas came along. Then, just as the clock struck 12, and I remember the time very, very well, the idea came along. Quickly, I began to type the story, a criminal in a hotel room hiding from the police. He can't uh, remember uh, exactly what to do. Uh, finally, in his panic, he climbs out the window and hangs from a narrow ledge high above the city street. Finally, just as the police come in, he falls. Well, I got that very, very far with the plot, and... And suddenly, rather tired, I went to bed. 
The next morning, the headline of the paper told of a criminal who had hidden in a hotel room, and then when the police broke in, the panic, and the hour was just at midnight, had tried to escape by hanging from the narrow ledge outside the room. In other words, as I was writing that story, at that very moment, mind you, it was actually happening. Coincidence? Supernormal? Who knows? But now, uh, what happens next week, Mr. Obler? Next week, Scoop. Quite a strange title, I'll admit, and a very strange story. It's about a man who worked all his life only to have what he'd worked for taken away. <laughs> but that, as usual, is next week. Yes, Lights Out will come to you again next Tuesday at the same time. Be sure to listen to Arch Obler's weird story of Scoop. Oh, by the way, in answer to those inquiring about scripts, a new book of plays by Arch Obler, Plays for Americans, has just been published by Ferrer and Reinhardt. These plays may be used without royalties by any person or group in connection with our country's war work. And if you need more vitamin B and iron, be sure to try Ironized Yeast, the one and only Ironized Yeast, with the big letters IY on the package and on each tablet. It is later than you think. Next year, the best-dressed man in town may be the one with the oldest suit, because today it's practical, even stylish, to get extra wear from your clothes. And Energene cleaning fluid can help you do that, folks, for Energene is a spot remover. It gets rid of those little grease spots that moths love to feed on, grease spots that settle on clothes and make them look worn, run down, and old before their time. Yes, Energene removes those spots easily, quickly, at practically no cost. Get more satisfactory wear from your clothes by caring for them this easy, economical Energene way with Energene cleaning fluid. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Well, a long, long time ago, it was the Columbia Broadcasting System. Now it's the good old days of radio show. This is John Tefteller. You can turn the lights back on, and you can think about it the next time you go to an auction and see a locked trunk. You can decide if you want to actually place a bid and bring it home. If you do, I suggest not bringing it home at night. Bring it home in the daytime and open it when it's bright and sunny outside. Arch Obler was particularly good at these type of uh, very strange, very gruesome stories, and we'll, ha we'll have some more of them as we wander down the years of the good old days of radio show. Some people wonder what, what it's like comparing vintage radio shows to classic films. The way I look at it is there are classic films and there are classic radio shows, and sometimes they go together. There are certain things like this, the story of Mr. Maggs, that was never done as a film, so we would never know what that would look like on film. I think actually it works better as a radio play, but there are some radio plays that are adaptations of classic films and they work quite well. It's all a part of the whole concept of imagination and using your brain power to imagine the situation, picture the actors, picture the characters, 
and appreciate the, the writing and the sound effects that went into creating these things, along with the nice eerie music, in this case, a, a gong, which Obler used to open and close all of his Lights Out shows and then would use it for emphasis during the show. Uh, make sure you check out our Facebook group, The Good Old Days of Radio Show, and make sure you share this podcast with as many of your friends as possible to spread this stuff far and wide and get more and more people interested in listening. What what my goal here is, is to present to you the very best of old time radio. This is not a nostalgia show. I'm not nostalgic for these shows. I never heard them when they were first broadcast. And I'm sure that a huge percentage of the people that could potentially listen to this podcast never heard them either. So I just go through what are tens of thousands of original radio recordings, and I picked the ones that I think have the best writing, the best acting, and the best performances overall. Uh, we're not interested in nostalgia. We're interested in great radio. I will just say, for now, if you are listening to our Tuesday broadcasts, starting this, this coming one, the very next one, uh, it's going to be a little different from what you've heard so far on this show. It's going to be a full hour and a half of radio. We are going to invite uh, families to bring all of themselves together in the living room, treat it as if you're all watching a movie together, and actually enjoy some good old-fashioned entertainment. It'll be comedy and variety-type shows, no horror shows. We won't scare the little kitties. We'll keep those for Thursdays. Um, but all kinds of comedy and variety and Disney and whatever else we can work in from the good old days of radio, we will do that once a month, and the very first one will be uh, released next Tuesday. So make sure you tune in for that and um, tune in. Boy, I sound like a radio announcer here, but okay, make sure you fire up the computer for that. And then next Thursday, be back with us to turn out your lights for another uh, strange tale of weirdness from the good old days of radio. This is John Tefteller and the good old days of radio show signing off. Thank you.